I got in my car. I was crying hysterically. I called my dad and said that was the worst interview I've ever had. I am absolutely not getting that. And he's like, okay, slow down. Tell me what they asked you. Tell me what you said. So I repeated everything. And he was like, Ashton, I really, I really think they're going to call you back. I think you're going to get it. And I was like, you have to say that you're my dad. <laughs> in this conversation, we had a chance to sit down with Miss Ashton Walda, Director of Performance Marketing for Seed Beauty. Seed Beauty is notoriously known for the successful companies within the cosmetic and beauty space, such as KKW Beauty, Kylie Cosmetics, ColourPop, amongst many others. Ashton is hilarious. She shares with us extraordinary stories about finding her sense of belonging, coming to her dream job, and whether she's talking about managing multi-million dollar companies or the meaning of life, Ashton really invites us to have one of those deep belly laughs. I hope that you find this episode just as fun as I did. My girls, my guys, my group. This is MG Method, the podcast. We are matching shirts, by the okay, way. Okay, yes. This for is those, not normal. Okay, for those of you, Ashton and I are not in the same place. So Ashton is at home. I am at home. We are having this conversation virtually, but I can see Miss Ashton and she's in this beautiful oasis in Santa Monica that looks like Likewise. a cream, beautiful, like she has this faux fur behind her on her couch <laughs> and her turtleneck. And we both are wearing a turtleneck. We're both Can wearing we just... a cream turtleneck because we are tone on tone bitches. <laughs> yes. Ashton, please, please explain to everybody who you are, uh, what your current job title is so that we can give people a, bu- a brief insight to kind of your story and your background and kind of pick your brain today. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I, I always get so nervous when people say, Tell us who you are. I've, been, I've done a couple podcasts this month and it always starts out with that. And I'm like, who I am? Um, all right. So my name is Ashton Wall. I am head of marketing at Seed Beauty. Uh, Seed Beauty is the parent company to Kylie Cosmetics, ColourPop, KKW Beauty, Tati Beauty, Fourth Ray Beauty, and Soul Body. And we have a couple more in the works. It is definitely my dream job. I, it was a long journey to get here for sure. And my path is curved, I think is a nice way to say it, but I, I love every minute of it. And it was, it was worth the climb. Where are you from originally? Yes, I am from Walnut Creek, California, which is a little suburb outside of San Francisco, about 25 minutes outside of San Francisco. And where'd you go to high school? Oh gosh, I went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> so much to say. I went to a high school called Carondelet. Uh, it was a French all-girls school. Wow. Um, and it was interesting though because it was a French all-girls school, but uh, there was a, a Jesuit all-boys school that was right across the street. So uh, it was you- a weird high school. Let me tell you. Yeah, like <laughs> let's talk about it a little bit. So, what was kind of the culture like, and where yeah. did you kind of fit in in that world? Yeah. So, um, uh, Max, have you seen Little Fires Everywhere? Have you seen? I have uh, with uh, Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. Yes. Okay. Yes. Did you go to a school like this? Oh, I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. Yes. It, I, it was totally a fake woke school. Okay. Um, in a very well-to-do area. Uh, that was very, very. Uh, it, it's so interesting. Like I have so much perspective on it looking back, but. Um, 
listen, it was, you know, an expensive private school, all girls, all guys. Uh, but they offered scholarships to a lot of the surrounding areas like Oakland, Berkeley, Martinez, Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, it was kind of built on this God, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but it was kind of built on this, uh, this, this guise of like integration and diversity mm. and, and all of these things. But it, it was weird. It was, right. it was, an, it was, it was a privileged bubble where there was like a very clear divide. So the people that were coming to the school to kind of bring in a little bit more diversity were people that had not been living in the surrounding neighborhood. So they weren't, you know, maybe going to and from like your local parties or kind of family gatherings, but you would see them at school or something of that nature. Yes. Yes. And I think it's funny. I think it was um, a, a little more a little more properly integrated at the guy's school, but at the girl's school, it was a little bit different. But yeah, basically you had like this divide. You had people that you know, we're coming in on a bus from who even knows, like towns that I, I haven't, I've, I had never heard of that were really deep out there. And then you had people rolling in in their G-Wagon or their Range Rover yeah. at 16 years old. It was, it was wow. interesting. But at the same time, even though there were some dynamics that are like hard to kind of replay in my mind as a 31 year old woman looking back in this time, at the same time, it wasn't your average private school where Every single person that was there was so uber privileged and so this and so that there are at least, at least I was exposed to people with different backgrounds than my own mm-hmm. that early on. So there is, there's of course a great side to that, but it is funny to kind of put back on your, your, your goggles and look back at that time and think, oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've come a long way. Yeah. And see, one of the, one of the things for those of you that don't have the privilege of knowing Ashton, she is so... Uh, I would describe her as aware, you know, like for just very culturally aware outside of her culture. She's very curious. So she pays attention to different music, um, different literature, different art. But for those of you that don't know, I feel that wherever Ashton is, something thrives. Okay. So Ashton is a common denominator. She is a marketing maven at ColourPop. There's been such success since she's been there. So what did you go to, where did you go to uh, university then for you after high school and what were you studying? And then how did you kind of transition to get where you are now for work? Yeah. Uh, So I went to Santa Clara. Woo, go Broncos. Go Broncos with Maxine. Um, and it's so funny because uh, Max and I, we knew each other at Santa Clara, but we weren't tight. We didn't know each other no. very well. Yeah. But now we're tight. Yeah. Um, so the, the beauty of the alumni network. I studied uh, marketing comms. But it's funny, like at Santa Clara though, like I had no direction. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I actually thought I wanted to be a clothing designer and I was convinced I was going to start an athleisure line. If you, I mean, but this was back in like 2010, 2011. So that was relevant at the time. It might've worked out for me. And so after I graduated Santa Clara, I looked at my parents and said, guess what guys, I really want to go to art school. (laughs) They were like, oh my God. And it's funny, a little, a little backstory. And like, by the way, Max, you can cut any of this. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to please go (laughs) talk through it. Um, So a little backstory when I was in high school and, you know, everyone was getting ready, kind of picking out what colleges they wanted to go to and what they wanted to study. I was like, I'm going to art school. Like that is me. That's always been me. I've always had this like love, this deep, deep love for aesthetics and for lack of a better word, vibes and just bringing that into everyday products. And um, my dad looked at me and he said, you're not going to art school. And I'm like, well, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? Because let's remember your background. And he said, okay, I will make a deal with you. You will go to a Jesuit university and you will study business or some something, business accounting, something like something 
basic like that, that will give you a solid foundation. And if, when you graduate, if you still want to go to art school, I will send you to art school. And this is a promise that he made to me when I was like 16 years old. I think thinking full well, he would think I would forget it, grow out of it, go to college, get a quote unquote real job. Um, but then that graduation came around and, you know, it was spring quarter at Santa Clara. And he said, what are we thinking? Like, where are you applying to jobs? You know, your internship last summer was great. You want to work there? And I said, whoa, what do you mean? What am I thinking? We have a deal. We we made a deal uh, six years ago. And he looked like he saw a ghost. Ghost. Um, And he was like, okay, where where do you think you want to go? You know, Academy of Art in San Francisco, FITM in San Francisco. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I am moving to LA. (laughs) Yes. She's going all in. All in. (laughs) All in. Um. And I think, and again, I think he saw a ghost again. And, uh, and, th- and that's it. I, I packed my bags. I moved to Santa Monica. And, you know, a funny, a funny thing about that, which is, uh, so hysterical when you just kind of look back at the timeline of your life. I spent uh, most of my college career or, uh, college years in a really what I considered at the time to be a very deeply serious relationship. But like, I mean, you look back and you're kind of like, okay, that was cute. Um, with this guy that went to Pepperdine. And uh, because of that, I really became very well acquainted with Southern California, specifically the West Side, Malibu, Santa Monica, Venice. Um, And when we broke up, when I was, I don't know, 22, I guess, 22, it was so devastating for me and something that at the time just felt so big and so final and all the feels, right? Um, and it was like a really tough, like six to nine months when that happened for me. Uh, but when I look back at it, I'm like, oh my God, that relationship was supposed to happen because it brought me to Southern California. I never would have moved to Southern California and explored it in the way that was so kind of local, if you will, if it weren't for that relationship. So I like silently. I did not know that. Yeah. Probably once a year. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know that. I don't really talk about it because it's just, it's so long ago, but, um, but yeah, so it's it's funny how like your your first your first heartbreak. First, can, yes, I was thinking can about that actually the actually bloom a lot of good things. Yes. Tell me about it. Yes. I was just thinking about that the other day. Just in general, I was actually watching this Normal People. I don't know if you've seen the show. I sure have. I sure I mean, have. We could. This is a whole other podcast episode because I'm yelling, I'm hollering at the TV. You know, <laughs> same, same. I'm hollering at the TV. At I'm. Did you finish her. it, Max? I haven't finished it. I think I have like one or two more episodes left, but it's the last episode is like, so that is like, it captures like your first love so well. Yes. Like it's so sweet and it's so pure and it feels so real and so big at the time. And then you just like hit this point where you're like, we have to grow and we are not growing together. But you, but, and then it does, it it does, it is um, a foreshadow of so many things that are to come in your life and what you step into and what you don't step into. And and also something beautiful as a reminder for those of you listening, like sometimes you end up in a path that you, there was no way you could predict, right? Like you have no idea who you're going to meet at any moment or what kind of job opportunities come up and you don't know where you'll be. So it's also nice to kind of just see how things play out and have like, um, you know, do the work, but also be open and fluid to know that it doesn't always end up looking the way that you thought it once did. So you took your father up on this offer. You end up at, and so for those of you that, that don't also know this, Santa Clara is very a Jesuit, as Ashton said, Jesuit university, very traditional. Most of our friends were going, um, we're working in accounting and working for Deloitte and we're going to the city. Mm -hmm. And so even just 
choosing to be in LA is very black sheep. Like why, what are you doing in LA? Like, yes, really LA. So that was a bold decision. And so you go to fit him to study. Is it fashion design there then that you end up? It was product development. It was product development was the degree I got. Okay. Yeah. And so walk us through what you felt when you were there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I love that you said black sheep because, um, I really felt that way both at FITM and Santa Clara. I was too FITM for Santa Clara and I was too Santa Clara for FITM, if that makes sense. So when I got to FITM, um, you know, the first three months were so much fun, right? I was having the time of my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like play. I'm making mood boards. I'm concepting <laughs> brands. This is what I've been meant to do. And then we started getting deeper into the real technical stuff. Um, which was fun. And I, and, and, and I can tie it back to my career because it actually did help please, me much more than I think please. people would realize. Uh, but I remember like waking up like maybe three to six months into it and it was a two year degree. And I'm looking around and all my classmates have like bright pink hair and are wearing like Dolls Kill and like that, that, I don't even think Dolls Kill was a brand at the time, but you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> you know, that kind of vibe and no knock on that vibe. I think it's cool as hell. But I was like, shit, here I am again. I'm mm. too Santa Clara for FITM and I was too FITM for Santa Clara. And I'm, you know, I have that moment where I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to find my footing. I'm just never going to find it. I can't, I can't figure out what's me. So I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not doing this. This isn't, this wasn't the right move. Too much pride, way too stubborn. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish this degree, but I need a plan B. Like I need a plan B hard. So I enrolled in a um, UCLA extension course uh, in finance. And I was like, okay, I need Whoa. to like kind of pivot back towards business. And at the time I thought, oh, the only way I'm going to make real money and become any kind of success, uh, not working for myself at least, is working at Deloitte. Like I just need to work at Deloitte. Just like you said, that's so funny that you brought that up. I'm like I think they have a branch in LA. I can figure this out. <laughs> so, and this was at the time where, you know, I was like, oh my God, my friends at Deloitte are making, you know, $55,000 a year. They are so successful. How do I figure out how to do this? You know, it's just, it's so funny how you look back at yes. that. Like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, and so I took this class and uh, there was a guest speaker at UCLA and her name was Tracy Denunzio, the founder of Tradesy. Um, and she blew me away. Uh, she had this concept, which was very novel at the time, which was in the future, every product is going to have five owners in its lifetime. Whoa. So yeah. And that like, it like knocked the wind out of me. Um, and I was such, I was so into fat. I mean, I still am so into fashion, but back then it was like on another level. Um, I was so into fashion and so into just product, but I was an art school student Mm -hmm. and, you know, with negative dollars and, um, I I couldn't afford to buy all those things that I, all the things that I wanted, but I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can buy something, get the use that I want out of it and then sell it. And then it's somebody else's treasure and then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Um, and like I said, it was so novel at the time. So I quickly went online and looked up her company and I saw that they were hiring an intern. And so I said, okay, this is mine. I am getting this internship. So even uh, if you knew that you, you even if you knew you weren't going to get paid, you were just like, I have to be a part of it. I want to learn yes, from her. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that was like my, I don't know, third blow to the parents. Hey, going to art school. Hey, guess yeah. what guys? I found an internship. By the way, it's not paid. They were like, she is on such a great path. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, this is so, important because most of the time, you know, people like, 
please actually continue on and then I'll go no, back no, to no, that. No, 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 yeah. no, go, go, go. No, go. but to, to even have had the thought, you know, I want to learn from somebody without actually at the time just thinking about, you know, what would I be compensated? Because so much of our pride and ego will go into a scenario where it's like, I've already graduated or I've, I've already had this job or I've already made this income. So we sometimes think of that as like a step backwards. Can you also weave that into your story moving forward of just why you even made that decision having already come from, you know, some sort of, you know, college, um, college, you know, understanding in terms of your degree and your experience at that time. Yeah. I, I am so glad you touched on that. And, um, the money thing I think is really important to talk about, especially as two women. I feel like we're so conditioned. We're conditioned as a society not to talk about it, but especially as women. And, um, I let go of the money thing. I was like, okay, I'm not going to chase what I think is a proper salary for what I should be making at my age. I'm not going to chase as what I perceive to be lucrative in this moment. And when I let go of that, the world opened up. Mm. Um, and I, that is my biggest piece of advice for anybody is focus on genuine passion. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Focus on genuine passion and focus on genuine value add. Where can you add value? If you focus on those two things, your compensation and your earning will take care of itself. I promise you. If you are, if you flip it the other way and you're only focused on this is a lucrative career and I think I'm smart enough to do it, you're, you're going to be stuck in the rat race and you're never going to get ahead. And then to play devil's advocate. So for those, so to like remove that attachment with regard to the financial, I'm yeah. working, I've graduated from college. I don't come from a family who, if I decided, right? Like mm -hmm. if I decided I mm -hmm. want to pursue this internship, but my family can't support me in any way. So if I'm looking for a job that is, I need that income to survive, what sort of characteristics should I be looking for in that type of op um, opportunity to work closely next to someone that I could really learn from? Excellent question. Um, for that, it would be freedom. Like how, how nimble can you be in your role and how many things can you take on? So if you are going to make that financial sacrifice where you know, okay, this is a big risk for me. And if this doesn't work out, I am in a very bad situation. Don't pigeonhole yourself. Go to a role where you can try on as many hats as possible, be as valuable as possible and work closely to somebody that you believe is going to grow. So therefore you are going to grow with them. And that is what I saw in Tracy. And that is what I saw in that role, which was, it was a seven person company. They needed help everywhere, right? Mm. It wasn't like, okay, can you please be this account manager for a uh, handbag dealer out of Miami? I mean, that's very narrow and I don't quite know the growth with that. It was, we need help. We're growing like crazy. Join the party. And so what was your, what was your experience like when you started, you started there? So you end up reaching out to them for the internship where they like, you are over, like what, what, <laughs> were they like, what does she want? You know, what was your interview even like kind of walking oh, me through? Did you get a chance to gosh. meet her or you spoke to someone, the other six people or what was that like? Okay. So I was, so, I mean, keep in mind guys, I, I'm proving my dad wrong, right? Like I'm going to finish this FITM degree, but I know like in my heart, like that's not the direction I'm going. I know in my heart, I'm not going to fit in at a, at a Deloitte. So I like need this internship to work for me. I already feel like a year and a half behind my peers. And I'm like, I've got to make this work. So I, I, there is a such thing as being overdressed. That is real. Um, so I, <laughs> I put on a pencil skirt, a blazer, my nicest high and highest heels. Remember back in the day, like in like 2011, 2012, when women would wear six inch heels? We straddled oh, that line. I mean, we were working, but wearing about? six inch. It, you about? know what? It wasn't about women. Is that that's what I'll say. 
And I'm going to leave it right there. That was a digital mic drop from Maxine Goins. Um, okay. And by the way, keep in mind this. Okay. So this uh, office was four blocks away from my apartment. I walked the four, the full floor. Oh, four blocks. oh, 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 the commitment, <laughs> the commitment. So I come in, I'm like so sweaty. My hair, my curled hair and my, you know, pseudo perfect makeup is like melting off my face. So I, I, I mean, come on guys. I'm in my six inch heels, my blazer, my pencil skirt. This office is in a loft and I swear there must have been 50 steps, like a 50 step staircase. So I'm like climbing up them very slowly, like brushing my hair out of my face, like trying to get myself together. And I walk in and I have my like Santa Clara leather folio. It has my resume printed on like my nice uh, papyrus paper. I have all these spreadsheets and like models that I did at Santa Clara, like in our marketing and accounting classes. And um, and like stuff for my internship at World Market Headquarters. And I walk in, I'm like, hello, I'm Ashton. I'm here for the interview. And this guy walks out and he's barefoot in basketball <laughs> shorts. <laughs> I can't even say it, in basketball shorts and a t-shirt. And he's like, hi, I'm Robert. And I was oh. like. Oh, Robert. Hi, Robert. <laughs> so and explain to us why he was barefoot. Why was he barefoot? The world will never know. Um, I mean, <laughs> listen, they are just, they were very, and still are very laid back, beachy people. Oh. And they've they've achieved tremendous success and we'll go into that kind of that journey. But at the time, you know, they were just working out of a loft in Santa Monica with a great idea, trying to see if it would stick. So he didn't, get, he didn't care. He was rolling in in basketball shorts and, and bare feet. And um, anyway, so he pulls me into Tracy's office, the, the founder and CEO. She's not there. Um, why would she interview me? And uh, he asks me a couple questions. I could I can't remember the questions. I, I really can't. I couldn't tell you. What it was were. a blur. Yeah, I hand him all my stuff in my folio, like all those papers that I deem to be so important and so telling of my skill set. And he takes one look at them and he goes, "I'm going to hand these back to you." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, I and he's like, "Thank you so much for coming in. Um, do you want me to walk you out?" No, and I was like, please don't. Um, and I like sidestep down the 55 steps, like in my little pencil skirt and my six inch heels. The interview must have lasted like 10 minutes. And a little bit of backstory about this too. When I got the email that they wanted to bring me in for an interview for this internship, I was in Northern California on my summer break from FITM. And I was like, I have to work here. So I drove back down oh, to Santa Monica wow. just for that interview. So after the interview, I was going to go stay at my, I had an apartment in Santa Monica. I was going to go stay in my apartment. And I got in my car. I was crying hysterically. I called my dad and said that was the worst interview I've ever had. I am absolutely not getting that. And he's like, okay, slow down, slow down. Tell me what they asked you. Tell me what you said. So I repeated everything. And he was like, Ashton, I really, I really think they're going to call you back. I think you're going to get it. And I was like, you have to say that you're my dad. <laughs> and I hang up the phone and I just drive up I-5 and, you know, go home and like crawl under my duvet, cover up my parents' house and think <laughs> I'm just going to become nothing. Nothing is going to become of me. Uh, and then lo and behold, um, like two hours later, I got an email being like, you have the job you start on Monday. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I get right back in my car I drive back to Santa Monica and start my internship at Tradesy and back to the, you know, being in a position where you're like, this has to work because mm -hmm. this is, this is not paying me. So we need to set a timeline and all of that. I told myself, I'm giving myself 30 days. I have got to be hired into a paid role within 30 days. And I am going to be the first to get here. And I am going to be the last to leave. And I'm going to try to teach myself everything I can. Wow, and so I was hired 
like somewhere between like 30 and 60 days, somewhere in that timeline. I was, I was given a full-time job there, which was everything. And, um, and so was it like that value that you're, you're saying to bring because you had that, uh, pseudo timeline, it it created a sense of urgency. Like what, you know, because sometimes people might say, okay, I have 30 days, right. But the behavior in the 30 days doesn't change. So what sort of things did you notice that people weren't doing that you immediately started to do or in your timeline, what behavior did you start doing in that space that made them say, we have to keep her? I just threw myself into everything. And I, I made sure that no job was uh, too small or too unimportant. And I, anything that was given to me, I treated it as if it was the most important thing. And like the business was going to be made or break on that small task. So like an example of that was we did a photo shoot with a bunch of the inventory that we had. Uh, and keep in mind, Tradesy is a, a reseller marketplace for women's designer fashion, but this was in the first year before they had any funding. So they, we didn't have access to a lot of stuff. And I was like, you know what guys? No. So I walked to my apartment I got like a huge, um, I want to say it was like a wheelbarrow, but it was like a dolly. of, And I packed in all my clothes that I had collected over the years. And I was like, I'm going to wheel this down Santa Monica Boulevard so we can shoot with this. And no one asked me to do that. I just did it. Another example was, you know, we hosted like a little dinner with, I think it was a bunch of other uh, female startup CEOs in Santa Monica. And, you know, they had the dinner. And I, like I said, I would always be the first one to come into the office in the morning or try to. And uh, I got in the office and I noticed that no one cleaned up the dinner. So everyone was going to come into the office and there was going to be this table with all these like plates and like silverware and just like gross stuff. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So I cleaned the whole thing and the whole kitchen, everything. And I didn't tell anyone. Like I was like, I'm not going to like toot my own horn here. And then I remember people got in and they're like, oh, my God, who cleaned up the dinner? And I just didn't say anything. And then they put it together. Mm -hmm. And it was just like little things like that. Like it wasn't like I wasn't, you know, so baked in my skill set that I was you know, such an invaluable marketer or such an, an invaluable analyst. I had 30 days of experience. I mean, come on. But where I would, where I was invaluable is that I would outwork anyone. I would outwork anybody. So if you told me to show up three days a week, I'd show up four. If mm. you told me to get here from, you know, nine to four, I'd be there from eight to six. This is beautiful. And you realize that just being resourceful, just kind of in bringing in that work ethic to anything that you do, you know, is an opportunity for it to become something larger, right? But like really treating that, like you said, as something very important and like really kind of getting um, very detail oriented about the, the systems that you guys have in any place that you can just show up and help out. That's incredible. I love that. So you, okay, so they end up offering you a position then there. And yes. what is kind of the, what does that look like for the next couple, you know, years or months there in terms of what, what's happening at the company and your role and what are you learning? Yeah. Um, so I was there for a little over five years, which in your twenties feels like a lifetime. Um, and when I started my, my title, Maxine was marketing. It was not marketing oh. intern, marketing coordinator. It was just, just marketing. Um, so I, yeah, my title was marketing, uh, for about a year and I worked directly under the founder and CEO Tracy, and it was mostly just her and I concepting things. Um, and you know, keep in mind, she was an artist before she started this company. So her and I kind of learned together, which was a really beautiful thing, even though we're, I think 11 years apart, we were very much kind of in this, in this learning journey together. Um, and then we raised, uh, a ton of capital. So we got Kleiner Perkins, which is a very prominent venture capital, firm in Silicon Valley to invest in Tradesy. And things were never the same. 
Um, in fact, John Doerr, who is, uh, you know, was a partner at Kleiner Perkins for the longest time. And he's famed as being the first institutional investor in Google and Amazon, like big time. Um, he came down to LA and there we had our team of like maybe 18 people at the time. And he took out this little digital camera in like 2013, a digital camera. camera like, yeah. You know, he's like, I want everyone to get to- together. I'm going to take a picture of you. I want you to look around because it's never going to be the same. And he was right. We raised, you know, uh, just under a hundred million dollars to wow. fund and build this company. And we had, you know, our pick of an incredible talent pool. So we were hiring people that were the best at their craft. And we moved into a very fancy schmancy office um, on second in Wilshire, like right above Hillstone, if you know where I'm talking about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and took all four floors. We had the whole building there. They're still there to this day. And it just felt so official. So like started barefoot in a loft. Now we're here. Here, yes. <laughs> With your six inch heels, okay? In the wheelbarrow. Do you oh all hear gosh. this? Do you all hear this? A wheelbarrow to the loft, okay? <laughs> so what is your, so as you guys start to scale and grow that company, what does your specific role end up becoming? And what does yeah. the day-to-day look like there? Yeah. Um, so I uh, started out, like when I started to really get specialized, it started with email marketing. Um, so email marketing and content marketing and brand marketing. And I, I absolutely loved it. It was, you know, similar to what I was seeking at FITM, but couldn't quite articulate and didn't understand that that was a real role. Um, but it was defining the brand. Like, what do we value? What don't we value? What's the brand voice? Um, what do we want our customers to take away from? What do we want them to feel when they come to TradeZ, when they have their first purchase? What does the whole experience look like? Uh, and then it um, grew into acquisition and retention marketing. So how are we getting users to the site? How are we keeping them there? How are we getting them to convert? And then how are we bringing them back post-conversion, rinse, repeat? And by the time I left, I was a director of marketing there um, and multiple times throughout the de facto head of marketing because we went through a couple um, SVPs and CMOs, but I always held steady in that director of marketing role. Mm, and it was, it, was, <laughs> um, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And to have that, director title when I was, God, I think I was 27 at the time. That was a big deal, especially for somebody that Huge. started, somebody that felt like they were two years behind everyone else because of their fit moment. And it's so funny because I remember like when I finally got my LinkedIn together, I would see who would view my profile. And it was definitely like people that definitely gave me a little hate when I went to fit and like made a lot of snide comments. And I was like, hmm, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> I see you looking at my LinkedIn. (laughs) Okay. Um, It it goes to show like, do follow your heart. It's so cliche. It is so cliche, but like everyone was looking at me when I was like 22, 23, or it felt that way. I'm sure, you know, I I think people don't think about me as much as I think about myself, of course, right? I'm not that self-centered, but it felt like everyone was looking at me like, what is this girl doing? She has this amazing degree from Santa Clara. And this amazing network in the Bay Area. And she just hopped on down to L.A. to go to fucking art school. And now she's going to an unpaid internship at a company no one has heard of that will probably go out of business in three months. Can you please talk about, because I feel like this is so important. Can you please talk about how important intuition is in the business world? Because sometimes you see something, right? When you were in that room with Tracy at UCLA, there are intangibles that Tracy has that you 
if someone, you know, it's like, I want to see on paper. And if you're always waiting to see on paper what something is, you don't get the opportunity to be with something before it becomes that thing, right? So can you talk about the importance of being on the inside before something is that big and just the importance of just trusting your intuition and in general with regard to business? I'm so glad you brought this up. I think this is so the, the most important thing before any hard skill. Your gut is likely never wrong. And I think I spent my entire 20s trying to prove it wrong. Like, oh, this isn't right. This feeling isn't right. Your gut is there to guide you. I had a gut on Tracy. I thought she was so special and so different than anyone I had ever met. And I, I just trusted her. I was like, I, I know that if I jump in her boat, it's never sinking. She she rose unlike anyone I've ever seen, mm. to, for lack of a better term. And I'm so glad I was right because look who else believed in her, John fucking Door. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so so I so that that was such a pivotal moment for me. Um, and then not trusting your gut, I think, is just as important. So an example I have of that is uh, I reached a point at Tradesy, you know, like five and a half years in, where. Um, I, I was so burnt out. I was so burnt out. I um, I needed something different, but I didn't know what it was. And in hindsight, I probably should have just asked to take a sabbatical. And mm. I know that that would have been granted to me for how long I worked there and um, how innovative and open-minded they are there. But I, I I couldn't I couldn't do it. I felt like I had to be onto the next thing and the next title and the next level. Um, and with my career at Tradesy and uh, the success that they had had, my LinkedIn inbox blew up all the time. They would always be like, hey, like, are you interested in being head of marketing for this brand, this? And this company reached out to me from Chicago. Uh, and their founder was Marie Tillman, Pat Tillman's widow. I don't know if you guys remember that story. Pat Tillman from the NFL who... Um, enlisted in the war in Afghanistan and then um, was shot by friendly fire. And it was a whole scandal that they tried to cover up. And anyway, Marie Tillman, um, his widow, uh, started this company called Mac and Mia, which was kind of like a stitch fix or trunk club for children, for busy moms. And they found me, really sold me on the business model and the vision, brought me out to Chicago. I met with them, got to learn kind of more about what they were up to. And it's so funny because when I met with them and I went to Chicago, something didn't feel right. There's just something about this that isn't me and isn't for me. But I had such a pressure on myself of, okay, you're like tapping out at Tradesy. Like you you don't have the motivation and the innovation and the passion that you used to. You need to find the next thing. And the next thing needs to be this step up and, you know, this growth and, and all of these arenas and title and comp and, you know, equity, all of it. And so I, I pushed myself to take the job. And it's so funny because when I left the interview and I was leaving Chicago, when I got dropped off at the airport, something came over me and I got so sick oh. and I like ran up to a trash can at the Chicago airport and was just, I, I was getting very, very sick. And I feel like it was my body telling me yes. like, stay away. Don't do this. Oh. Like, this is not for you. And I didn't listen. And I, I took the job and I went there. And I hated Chicago. I hated it so much. Um, it, it was just so not me. I'm such a California girl. I'm glad I did it, though. You have to like good doesn't mean good without experiencing bad. Right. In the most simplest terms. So I'm so glad it happened the way it did. But um, in hindsight, but at the time it was just that company. It was not something I was passionate about. And I had no business living in Chicago. But I felt like I also was so loyal to Tracy. I was Tracy. just going to ask. I was just going to ask because yes. I'm sure when you're at a company anywhere and I was saying like, what is the culture like? So for those of you listening, if you're at a startup and for the, I know some of you listening don't work um, in the corporate space. So this is 
all foreign and what's equity. And so if you're at a company and there's startup culture and and that company has success, oftentimes the people that are at those companies become ideal candidates for you to hire. Because if I know Ashton's at that company and that company's growing, then I'm looking to essentially poach Ashton to come over to my company to help my company grow. So everybody on that team and especially the initial team is really kind of like your all stars. And, And that's kind of what Ashton's speaking to here, which is that they were, you know, she was having opportunities and also you become, would you say loyal then? Very loyal to your, your initial loyal. team. Yeah. Yeah. And to the, to the point that I felt like I can't get another job in LA. Like I'm not going to go work for somebody that's in Tracy's network, like right down the street. That doesn't feel right. And so I felt like the in, in, in hindsight, I really don't think she would have cared if I had just had an open conversation with her and been like, it's time for me to move on. She would have been fine. Um, But I put just a lot of pressure on myself and felt like, okay, I have to go out of state and like put some distance. And I was also just like you hit that point in like your mid to late 20s where you're like, I need something different. Like I just need to flip the switch entirely. Maybe that was just me. I don't know. Yeah. And Um, bless it because you went for equity and I I think I cut my hair off. That's all I did. (laughs) So, you know, follow Ashton's lead, y'all. But so, okay. So you you go to Chicago. So you're, you're... So your body literally rejects the idea like what this is. And this is the scary part because this is the other thing I was mentioning to someone the other day. Isn't it such a fine line between your body telling you this isn't right and your body just saying this is scary because it's new? And like, how do you know, damn, my body's just like freaking out because I'm just scared because this is new and this is growth versus hey, this isn't right, you know, and how do we learn to distinguish between something that's not right for you versus just something that's new? And so, of course, it's going to be scary. And I, and I don't think I even have a handle on that, to be honest. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think about a lot. Um, and it's so funny because I would say like literally two months into Chicago and the job, like in my heart, I was like, this was not the right move in every, but there's me. That stubborn. stubborn. Yeah, there she goes. Everyone's asking me how Chicago. I love it. My job wow. could not be better. It's great. But in, in my heart, in my head, I'm like, this is, this needs to do a 180 quick or this isn't going to work. Um, and uh, when I finally came to gripes with, I want to be back in California and I need a new role. Like this isn't my company. This isn't my role. And I was talking with Seed Beauty. Um, I almost didn't take that role because I felt I was so hypersensitive at that point. I was like, okay, something told me not to take take the Chicago job. I physically was ill when I was there. So every nerve, everything I'm feeling about Seed Beauty must be telling me the same thing. You know, I was like, I can't like get myself in another situation where I'm working at a company or in a city that doesn't make sense. And here's something else. So Seed is headquartered in Oxnard. Y'all. So you drive in and you drive, you're like driving between like strawberry fields and farms, like Dole and like Lay's potato chips. Like they own big plots of land out there and are uh, just harvesting all those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden you pull up and you see like 18 warehouses and they're very beautifully done, which is like 100% our founder, by the way. Uh, and you're at Seed Beauty, which is a campus in California that is 100% vertically integrated and makes and manufactures and concepts and markets and digitizes all of the makeup for the brands that I listed off earlier in this podcast. So anyway, so I I go to see Beauty for an interview and I'm being driven to Oxnard and I'm like, oh God, this is far. And there's just all these things that are like, it's just a lot of like sensory inputs. Like this is really far. What is this? Who are these people? All all of these things. Um, And it's so funny because I love this job. Uh, This job was made for me. I've never performed 
the way I have at this anywhere else in this job. And it's just like, because it's such, it's, it's such an alignment. It's a, an alignment on culture, on values, on marketing values, on product values, just you name it. But I almost didn't take it because I I was scared. I, I was having exactly as you said, like, this is new. This is different. This is a little scary. This is a big risk. And I almost declined that job. In fact, if you asked any of my best friends, I called them all and said, I have this job offer. It's so amazing, but I'm not going to take it. <sighs> And see, this is so important because sometimes we are looking for something shiny. So just this context. So Ashton's former job when she was in LA in Santa Monica is beachside. So there's literally the beach. She can walk to the beach. There's palm trees. So sometimes we're looking for the, you know, the loft that overlooks the city and you're, you're paying attention to the exterior of something, you know, not deep down. What is your alignment with that thing? And this goes, I think this is something I talk about so often with relationships. You know, this person looks attractive and they have this great job and they're making this sort of money. But like, who is that person? What do they believe in? How do they function in the world? And so this is really, really important to one, be in touch with those things. So can you talk about this, Ashton? Because you're saying, you know, at the at Seed, you have this alignment, right? But how can you possibly know what's aligned with you if you don't know what you stand for? You know, what was it that you knew that you stood for and that you wanted out of leadership and communication and innovation? I feel like I hear this often in this frustration. People are like, how could I possibly know how to look for that in a company if I don't know? So what would you suggest would be homework for people to do to kind of get in touch with what values they first have so that when they're going to shop for a job, they can, um, or a relationship or anything where there's collaboration, they can make sure that those entities have, uh, you know, equal, if not more opportunity for growth? Gosh, I really think um, it comes down to, like you said, it's the who, it's not the what. Take, let's say it's a relationship, right? Okay. Um, tack 30 pounds on that person. Wow. Take away, Take away that a really fancy job. What is left? If you are stuck at an airport with them for like a 12 hour layover or you're untangling Christmas lights, is this the person that you want on the other end of that? This is deep. (laughs) But it's so true. It's so, so true. So, um, and then I, and Max, you can cut this, but if you want to use it, you can. Um, So the, the interview for Seed is even more wild than the interview with Tracy. <laughs> Which we didn't think was possible. So please go ahead and <laughs> let us know. Actually, have I told you this in real life? Have no. I told you this? No. Oh my God. Which oh is exactly gosh. why we do the podcast because we don't ever get any of this juice and I had to share this with people. So please. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm in Chicago. I know that I know that I don't want to work at this company anymore. I don't want to live in Chicago. But again, like I said, I'm hyper aware of trusting my gut and making sure, like looking out for the signs. Okay. So I say, hi, uh, please schedule me. Uh, if you're going to fly me out, fly me out on a Thursday evening, like the latest flight possible. Um, so then I can just take a Friday off from work. And, uh, you know, it's not it's not super weird because I'm flying from Chicago to L.A. They're like, OK, no problem. We'll get you on, you know, a 10 p.m. flight out of Chicago. So, OK, I put everything in a carry on bag because it's the quickest trip ever. I board the plane. Okay, here's a here's a tip from my southern mother that I will never forget. Yeah, please. She has she has said since like the day I was born, every time you leave the house, dress up as if you were going to run into the president. I think that's <gasps> a little excessive. I think it's a little excessive. Maybe I know some people would disagree with me, but that's her, right? Okay, and, she and, always, and it depends on which president. Because if it's Obama, girl, <laughs> I'm bringing out my best, my best that power suit. Ooh, 
here, okay. here. Okay, yeah. It, okay. Yeah, yeah. We won't get Everybody. into that. We won't get into that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. And and she's always said that, especially about plane travel. She goes, you, you never know who you're going to be sat next Whoa. to on a plane. So always look your best. And here I am, like a 10 p.m. flight out of O'Hare. And like, it's essentially a red eye, right? And I'm like, I don't care. So I, I got home from work. I'm packing. Um, this outfit, Max, that I decide to board this plane with, it is uh, trousers that I wore to work, like nice dress locks okay. with really nice, like cute acne boots. Like it's a, like it's a look. So good. Um, and then I took off my work blouse and I put on a um, Barefoot Dreams. And Barefoot Dreams, just for context, is just like a blanket company. They make blankets, yeah. but they also make a poncho, <laughs> but it's literally just a blanket with a hole cut in, in the middle <laughs> for like your head. Um, so I'm like trying to change into a plain outfit, like something comfy and I'm so tired that I can't get it together. So I'm wearing like half a poncho that looks ridiculous <laughs> and then dress slacks and heels. So just keep that, keep that in mind. Like that's my outfit. I pack all my nice stuff in my suitcase. I board the flight. Um, I deplane in LA. I get my little carry on bag, leave. I'm going down the escalator and I see this guy with a sign that says a wall and he's a driver and he's like a very fancy driver. And I'm like, oh, okay. They sent like a like a nice a nice car service for me. Um, and this this lovely man is named Andy. Um, he's Russian, so sweet. Um, it's like you know two in the morning, LA time. And he takes my carry on bag and he puts it on a rolling cart. And I was like, that's a little excessive. Like it's a carry on, dude. Like you can just <laughs> you can just wheel it out. Which um, also lets you all know what position Ashton is in. That they're they're pulling out all oh, of the stop. stops. Okay, stop. they're pulling out all the stops because I know there's some women at home going. Who is buying the flight? Who's picking uh, this person up? I'm still trying to get compensated for this. So just so you know, okay. Oh okay, so gosh. go ahead. So yeah. he picks um, up your carry-on okay. and it has so you, a roller for the roller. He has a roller for the roller. He wheels out the bag um, to the parking lot just right across the street. Uh, you know, it's like a quick walk. We like go out the double doors, go into the parking lot at LAX. He lets me in the backseat of the car. He's showing me all the controls in the backseat of the car. And of course, I'm just being like a chatty Kathy, like chatting him up, like, how long have you been driving for seed? <laughs> Hello, where are you from? You know, all these things. And I think he's like, lady, it's yeah. 2 a.m. Yeah. I've had so many clients today, like, shut up. So he finally like tucks me back in the car, closes the door. I'm like back there playing with all the controls, like trying all the waters, you know, <laughs> just having a moment. And um, he gets in the driver's seat. We pull out. We get on the 405. I'm staying. They put me up at a very nice hotel uh, in Westlake. So we're probably at about Calabasas. So we're like a good like 30 to 40 minutes away from LAX. And he looks at me in the rearview mirror. We've been talking and he just stops all of a sudden. He goes, it's making me nervous that I can't hear your bag in the trunk. Like normally I hear something <gasps> kind of moving back there. And I'm like, I, I have got to have heard that wrong. He oh pulls God. over on the 405, gets out of the car, goes in the trunk, comes yeah. back in and goes, I forgot your bag at LAX. And I'm like, here oh, it is. No. Here is the sign that I had in Chicago. This is this is the same as throwing up at the side of O'Hare. This is the sign that this is not meant for me. Here it is. So he gets back in the car, we exit, we get back on the freeway in the opposite direction towards LAX. He drives faster than I've ever experienced in my life, but very safely, I must say, safe and smooth, 80 miles per hour. Uh, we go back to the parking lot where we were and my bag's not there. And I'm like, of course it's not there. It's being like wiped down for bomb residue. It was an unattended bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we go, we park, we go into LAX. At this point, it's like three in the morning, which is 5 a.m. Chicago time. My interview, by the way, is, is at 9.30 a.m. Okay, I was going to ask. 
Mm-hmm. And let's, this is why I took the time to tell you what outfit I was wearing. Let's go back to the outfit. <gasps> I'm wearing a fucking blanket. I'm wearing a blanket. Oh, and you don't mm-hmm. have your suitcase and you might not get nope. your suitcase back. Yeah. So my mom was right. Um, there you have it, mom. You were right. Uh, so yeah. So we're in LAX. I'm wearing my blanket. I'm crying. He's crying because I think he's, he's scared. scared. He's going to lose his he's dog. I'm, I'm crying because I'm not, I'm like, what is even happening? Um, he calls his boss. They're like yelling at each other in Russian. His boss drives down to LAX, who's like the head driver for Seed Beauty. Ed, I love you, Ed, is like yelling at airport security. They're doing, I mean, they were so sweet. They're doing everything they can to find this bag. They cannot find the bag. So Ed, the head driver is like, go to the hotel. I'm going to wait here. And the minute this bag turns up, I will drive it to the Four Seasons. Bless him. Okay. So I get in the car. Me and Andy, the driver, we are both just like silently crying, like silent tears. Like Andy's like, I'm going to lose my job. I'm like, I'm never going to get this job. I'm wearing a blanket and I don't have my <laughs> my laptop with my presentation that they asked me to put together for this interview. Yes, because it was a carry on. Right. I thought right. I can just put my laptop in my carry on bag. I have my carry on bag. What could go wrong? Um, so we finally pull up to the Four Seasons and we go to the desk and it's like 4 a.m., 4.30. And they know Seed Beauty very well. Right. Like that's where everyone stays because it's the closest nice hotel to Oxnard. So Andy walks in, he's like, hi, I've, you know, got somebody with Seed Beauty. And they were like, okay. And then I just start crying and they're like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I have this interview. Um, I don't have my laptop. I don't have clothes. I don't have anything. And then all of a sudden I just have a moment where I'm like, Ashton, ball the fuck up. And I just like stop. And I'm like, you know what? No. I was like, okay, here's what I need. I need a laptop. Let's go. I know you guys have a, let's go. I'm like, I need a laptop at my room, preferably Apple, but I'll take anything. I was like, I know you guys have a salon. I will take the earliest appointment. I need a blowout. I was like, I know you guys have makeup. This is my foundation color. I need a brown lip liner. I literally don't know myself without a brown lip liner. So please track that down. Um, Brown eyeshadow, mascara, blush, like just have that all laid out in the salon. Are your stores with clothing open? You know, let's just like, I'm just like going off the list. Like I need deodorant. I need a toothbrush, like all the things. They were amazing. They got all of that to my room. And then of course I can't sleep. I'm like running on adrenaline. My interview, my interview is in literally less than four hours and I haven't slept and I'm wearing my blanket and just like no makeup, nothing. So I email uh, John and Laura, the founders of Seed Beauty, their EA and their CFO. The CFO was the one that was kind of recruiting me at the time. And I, you know, told them the whole situation. And I said, I ended the email with, what do you suggest we do about this? And it's so funny because if this had happened like three years ago, I think I would have been really apologetic and been like, this is my fault. This is my problem. But I was like, no, I'm not going into this interview, not feeling like a hundred percent. So I want to know what they will do to like, kind of make this right. And they were amazing, like absolutely amazing. They got back to me with like in an hour and they were like, oh my gosh, we're pushing back your interview. Um, you're going to come in at, I think, 1130. Uh, and Ed, the the driver that I talked to you about that was waiting at LAX, Ed is going to take you to Nordstrom in Thousand Oaks Whoa. right when they open so you can get whatever you need, collect yourself and then come on in. And I'm like, okay, that's, I'll, I'll do it. I love that. And so I, I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I, I, like sleep for 30 minutes. I go downstairs to the salon, blow out my hair, put on a little bit of makeup. I'm still wearing that weird ass blanket poncho. Um, I'm curbside. He pulls up in a fucking Maybach. (laughs) No, he doesn't. (laughs) With the bag? No, no, no. Oh, to pick you up to take you to the... Okay, okay. Um, But still in the poncho. 
It's still, oh, still in the poncho. <laughs> and I get in the car and he's so cute. He's like, Ashton, I can't even make eye contact with you right now. And I'm like, what? Why? And he's like, we have let you down. I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Like, listen, like everyone's made mistakes on the job, myself included. I get it. Like you guys have gone above and beyond to like make this somewhat manageable. Like, thank you. Um, so he takes me to Nordstrom and Thousand Oaks and uh, we're like waiting outside at like at 9.58 a.m. The clock strikes 10. I run in. I find the nearest sales associate. I explain what's happening. I'm like, this is the size I wear. I really like Vince. Um, can you just find me a pair of like Vince slacks and a matching top and like, let's go. And the first pair of pants and top that she brought me fit perfectly, which was amazing. Put it on, but my hair and makeup's already done. I yeah. have my cute little boots and then I just run out. And then I have the laptop from the hotel and I start calling all my friends from Tradesy being like, this is what happened. Can you send me everything from the Tradesy Dropbox that we worked on together? And I can just start uploading it into this presentation. And they did. (gasps) So I'm in the back of the car on the way to Oxnard making this presentation and I get there and have like the best interview ever. So it's so funny because that moment when Andy told me they lost my bag, I was like, this is the sign that like, this is not meant for me, like something's off. But then the way the whole thing was handled and then finally meeting John and Laura and like how funny the interview was and how cool they were about it and all of it just showed me such a different side of them that it's like, take away the success of Kylie Cosmetics, take away the success of ColourPop, take away this fancy driver in this nice hotel. And let's just look at these people as people and them looking at me as a person. And it was such a natural human connection. And it told, and it, it's so funny because it told them a lot about me too. Yes. Like how did I react yes. to those, to the drivers? How did I react, you know? And yeah. so. Um, this is brilliant. I love this because, okay. And this is, I think so, so crucial. And I hope that listening that you take this away, which is in any, in any moment of adversity, there's like a defining moment where you get to dig your heels in and stay in it. Like instead yes. of thinking about what's going wrong, it's like, what is the next best step I can take? Like, what is the the next step that I can take that I think will um, be of service to me and people around me, which Ashton has done. And I also think there's so many beautiful things that come from the story, Ashton. One, the fact that you know the driver's name by first name, okay? And the fact that people at TradeZ went out of their way to send you. So the importance of relationship, how you treat people, okay? Like how you uh, show up and ask for what you need. If you can do that in a polite manner, people want to support. They do. So you having those relationships, being respectful for people that worked with you, had you not had, you know, had an exit that wasn't graceful at that company, who knows if they're sending you those debt, those decks, you know, but also remembering that you are you yourself without your cashmere sweater, without Mm -hmm. your heels of choice, you are the asset. So even if everything else goes to shit, Okay, you walking in with your worldview, with your brain, you've got that with you wherever you go. So even if nothing else comes in and you had to go in in a poncho, what I know about Ashton Wall is she would have killed that damn meeting in a poncho. Okay, and she would have fell right asleep in that poncho after she was done with it. So just know (laughs) that that power is you. You are the common denominator and you have the ability to pivot, which is what you did. This is so beautiful. Oh, and no, you work there you. now. And I this work is- there and I, I adore it. I mean, it is my favorite. It, it It's a pleasure. Like, it, I feel like I'm getting paid to go through, um, like, the most reputable, reputable MBA program in the game. I feel that I'm a true value add. 
the value that like the experience has brought to my life is something that I will remember forever. I, you know, who knows? Like, I feel like, you know, God laughs while we plan. So I don't want to plan anything, (laughs) but I've never felt like I could stay at a company for a super long time until seed. I just think that the way they do things is absolutely incredible. And um, the founder, Laura Nelson, is unlike anyone I've ever met. And I think she's the only person that there's no idea that I could bring to her that is too big and too crazy. Like the like Laura and I together ideating and like playing ping pongs with I playing ping pong with ideas is downright scary. Like I think everyone else is looking at us like, oh, here they go. Oh, here they go. And it is it's just such a pleasure. I just I, I like pinch myself every day that I work there. It is so fun. It is so fun. And so your day-to-day now at the company with her, is, are you and her work closely together? Like, what do you feel if you can design your life, you know, so outside of work, like what type of things are making you feel most fulfilled? You know, if you're designing your life to look the way in Ashton's world, what what does that include? Outside of work, um, health is number one. That's been a big thing for me this year. I... Uh, Definitely put that on the back burner while my career started really taking off. I kind of lost my way with nutrition and and working out and paid the price for that. So I, it's something like it's, I feel so blessed that Maxine has come into my life. You with, with this, it's huge. Like I can't like what you have taught me, by the way, like what you have taught me, like there, there's something that you said to me, Maxine, which is like, don't make me cry. (laughs) uh, It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. We'll, we'll get back to that in a minute, but health, like improving my health every single day, one day at a time is number one. Strong women, a crew of strong women around you. There is nothing like it. And it's funny, you know, a lot of people, um, and it's always the people that don't live here. A lot of people talk shit on LA, like mad shit on LA and say the people that live there are terrible. They're so shallow. Um, they're this, they're that. I really believe that you attract what you put out. Like, is that here? Yes, of course. But that's everywhere. Like I lived in Chicago. It's there too. But where I'm going with this is I have met so many incredible women in LA that are self-starters that are kind of taking the path less traveled and killing it at it. Gosh, what? I mean, but that like those those two things, health and solid women and just relationships that are energy givers, not energy takers. I think it took me many, too many years of my twenties to realize the distinction, you know? And what, can you kind of name some of those for people that are still in that path looking for that? What, what have you defined as an energy giver versus energy taker? Yeah. Um, if I see somebody's name flash on my phone and I am excited and reply right away and reply like multiple times, I'm, I'm excited to hear from them. Like I'm excited to talk to them. If I see somebody's name flash on my phone and I'm like, oh my God, like (laughs) I, you know, but it's, but it's funny because it's hard to be conscious about that until after like the relationship is kind of like friendships, uh, romantic relationships, all of it, you name it. And then also like uh, another thing, this is so, this is so silly, but I've noticed it more as I've gotten older when I'm with people and I spend time with them, whether it's like a dinner or uh, a meetup or whatever it is. When I leave, am I in my car in silence, like ready to go to bed, like ready to go home and like curl up? Or am I in my car, like blasting music, ready to take on the next thing? Wow. Because there's such a distinction for me. I, that might sound so trivial, no. but it- No, I've never even I, heard that, but I guess, ah, that's, 
That's wild. I've never even heard of that. But also kind of like the moment when you're throwing up at the airport is no different than when you're spending time with people and your body won't lie to you. So your energy, your kind of just your posture, right? Like just that tension that you either feel, you either have that lightness to you or you it feels heavy. But just actually t- being, um, I love that you even are in tune with that. I've never even thought, I've never thought about that. I, there's been a couple times that that phone has been flipped over when I see a name <laughs> and I will, you know, I will not ever have that moment without thinking of you. But <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So I, this is what I wanted to ask you because I'm really big in, and I know that you are too on terms of like vibe and aesthetic mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm, the senses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. for those of you that don't, follow Ashton yet and you will she I mean this woman goes to farmer's market she cooks she buys her fresh blooms but she is just the attention to detail is just so beautiful like everything becomes a piece of art that Ashton touches so I wanted to ask you Ashton of your senses we want to kind of go through some of the senses that we have and then figure out what's your favorite thing that you're currently into so like what is your favorite scent right now Oh my gosh. Um, my favorite scent, I have it right here. Pacific Coast from Hudson Grace. It's a candle from Hudson Grace, which is a little store at the Brentwood Country Mart, but you can buy it online. And what does it remind you of? What is it? Uh, yeah. It's just, it reminds me of like the Santa Monica Brentwood border on San Vicente in the fresh air. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I like, oh, it's just, it's my favorite corner of the universe. It's where I live right now. It's so funny. I was just telling my mom, I'm like, I feel like I was like, I'm in the soil and the trees here. Like this is where (laughs) I'm supposed to live. Like I just feel my most alive in this little, this little Santa Monica Brentwood pocket. But the scent is my favorite. And then the other thing is, um, I know a lot of people like laugh and roll their eyes at it, but I think it's the realest the realest thing ever is essential oils. So I I cannot sleep in a deep REM without lavender essential oil. It's so real. It's yes. so real. Um, and one of my best girlfriends, uh, who, Kendall Morrow, who went to Santa Clara with us, who lives in Brooklyn, she was staying with me for a little bit. And I have all my little oil diffusers like in every room of my house. And uh, I put an oil diffuser in her room with lavender oil. And I was like, I know you're not into this, but I just want you to tell me <laughs> if you sleep better, like for real. And she was like, okay, whatever. And then the next night she was like, can you please turn on my diffuser? I really slept See? better. So okay. I, yes, yes. So that's that's my answer to sense. Okay. And then what about sound? So what, is there any specific art? I mean, I know that you're heavy into culture and music. You know, Ashton and I were supposed to go to a concert together that ended up getting postponed. But so who are kind of some artists that you feel like every time you hear them, you just vibe out and you're like, wow, there's something really special going on here. Yes. Okay. So my number one, and this is who Max and I were going to see is St. John. He is my like number one artist of 2020. I really believe he's going to be the artist of the decade. I I believe it in my soul. I love him. Nothing like pumps me up and like makes me feel as deeply as his music, at least in the last, you know, five months. My new thing is curating playlists and I'm now curating them for ColourPop. And so we've started a Spotify. Okay. so I'm going to publish a couple more playlists on the ColourPop account. Okay, so, so if someone pops on to listen to the ColourPop playlist, it's you, you're playing DJ. It's yes. you? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, lately I've been very, very into uh, Charlotte Lawrence. I love her vibe. Gosh, so many other things. But um, I'm really into uh, the curated playlist on Apple Music, but specifically Chill Electronic. And it's beautiful because it's upbeat, but still chill. So that's my cooking music. I feel like... Cooking is is such a creative release for me and so therapeutic and forces me to be present. And when I have a really beautiful playlist going while I cook, like that is 
like my highest self, if you will. Mm-hmm. I um, that is just my favorite way to end the day. It's so meditative. But if I don't have that nice playlist going on in the background, it's it's just not the same. Okay, so we'll get the links to your playlist so that yes, we can put them yes. in the show notes. Um, okay, so what about taste? What is what is your what is your like kind of current like favorite thing that you're into? Lemons. So lemon anything. In fact, um, and you'll laugh, Max. I actually want to start. So there's uh, so TikTok's you know taking off, um, but TikTok cooking uh, handles are really taking off. Uh, and I kind of want to do a TikTok that's just recipes that require lemons. Like Please. Lemon, anything. lemon any, like Please. fresh lemons. Nothing makes me happier. I put lemon, I squeeze fresh lemon juice on top of my eggs, which is, sounds very weird. No. I, I don't know anyone else that does I'm that. I'm into that. I love it. Yes. Um, so lemon, anything. Like, oh. Where's your farmer's market of choice? Oh, well, Maxine. Yeah. Um, or uh, your Calabasas. I go to... Uh, Oh my gosh, Larchmont. Okay. Um, Palisades, Santa Monica, and and Brentwood, and I go to them all for different things. I don't go to all four on the same day, but I'll usually hit up two on the same day. I'm not the commitment. Like, you, you, yeah. We hear a reoccurring thing with Ashton is that she's all in, <laughs> fully committed. She's hopping to farmers markets, and we know that for some of us, just getting to one is it. She's hopping <laughs> to several. So just make it work. Get to the first one. Okay. <laughs> make it work. Make it work. <laughs> okay. What about texture? Last one, touch your texture. Uh, linen. linen. Okay, so linen. that's why Ashton's my girl right here. <laughs> she said linen. Linen everything. The linen collection from Parachute, you guys. <gasps> is it oh, is worth the investment? Heaven. Just make a mess. Heaven. Okay, so this yes. is for those of you who aren't familiar, Parachute is a uh, company that most people have been seen online, but beautiful bed, uh, linens for your bed. and Is it just bed bedding or they have also branched into drapery and... Um, they do like robes and kitchen towels and other things, but mostly bedding. Okay. So we have to get a little link for you for this. <laughs> um, okay. Last a couple questions because we're just taking all of Ashton's time um, on this no. beautiful Sunday. But who is somebody? So we want to do a brunch, lunch, and dinner. So who, who are you going? Yeah. Okay. Because I couldn't, you know. Ooh-hoo. And okay. there's a very different things, right? Like a, who you yeah. want to go to brunch with is very different than who you want to go to dinner with. And it might get a little oh, spicy yeah. for the dinner. So who do you want to go to brunch with? It could be anybody. Diane Keaton. <gasps> Good choice. Tell us why. I just adore her. Um, and I think that she wow. uh, it, she made feminism digestible in the 80s, which like who else can you really say that about? Uh, and I just love how she's so unapologetically herself and hysterical, absolutely hysterical. So you know what? Let me let me tweak that. It would yes. be Diane Keaton and Goldie Hawn. Like those are oh, two beautiful. like West Side legends that I would love to go to brunch with. Okay. Okay. And who are you going to lunch with? Who am I going to lunch with? Kelly Wurstler. I'm going to lunch okay. with Kelly Wurstler. Did you watch him? So for those of you that are not familiar, Kelly is an incredible interior designer. There's a, a show called Masterclass that um, allows you to learn from experts in their field. She recently came out with a Masterclass. Do you have any specific thing that you like most about her? What is it that you, you kind of connect to most? I love that with Kelly, the rules are that there are no rules. Um, and you see that. like, And also like you cannot walk into a Kelly Wurstler designed structure or room and not know that it's her. Like it just, it, it look her up guys. It's um, what she's done for the proper hotel in Santa Monica and San Francisco. And I think now Austin is yes. insane. Her personal properties are insane. She really pushes you outside your comfort zone visually, even just looking at her work. Like it makes you a little uncomfortable at first and then you're all about it. Like yes. it's like, 
it's a journey even just to look at it. So, and this is bold yes. because you know Ashton and I are like our neutral girls. We love beige, mm-hmm. we love cream. I know most of you <laughs> listening do also, but yes. Kelly really plays with also color and texture, and so she does has this beautiful ability to weave in really bold choices, but make it feel timeless and effortless. So, yes. yeah. And then who are you going to dinner with? And we hope this is a, a spicy mm-hmm. dinner date. So please share. It's a, it's a tie. Okay, no, no. It's a tie between Frank Ocean and Shia LaBeouf. Oh, um, yes. Okay, let's get into this. <laughs> <laughs> get into okay, it. so um, Shia LaBeouf is my celebrity crush, oh. like bar none. There's something about, right? Like I'm not alone in no. this, right? Like there's something no. very hot there. Okay. This was, um, the, even let's let, you know, this was even Stevens to Honey Boy. So yes. Yes. That's bold. Yeah, Amer- American Honey. <laughs> okay. Everyone needs to watch that. Everyone <laughs> needs to watch that. Okay, but anyway, I love Shia LaBeouf. Um, I think he's such a brilliant artist. And you know what? I love that he is Kanye's inspiration, by the way, for Yeezy. Yeezy is inspired by Shia LaBeouf's street You heard style. it here. You heard it here. It there. I, I just love him. I love the projects he takes on. I, I even like love his public meltdowns. I think they're hysterical. I just, I just, I just love that he's unapologetically himself. Frank Ocean, for so many reasons. I mean, his lyrics just slay me. He has this song called In My Room, which is my like favorite Frank Ocean song ever. And I, I really encourage everybody to read those lyrics. There's this line in here in there that he has um, that's like, I'm super still in a pit of snakes. And he's talking about like greedy people, I think, in the industry in L.A. and how they don't say grace for meals and they don't say grace for millions. And that just like stopped me in my tracks. Like they're not grateful for like the smallest things and they are not grateful for the biggest things. Like nothing, you know, I, I just listen to that song, but read the lyrics in okay. my room by Frank Ocean. I just adore him. And I love that you just jumped across the board too. And this is a beautiful thing with Ashton again, like, and even our friendship, I'm so grateful just that there's no limitations with regard to people. And as long as you really are connecting to an essence, right? Besides that exterior, that could be very diverse and you get to meet some really just authentic, beautiful people. Ashton, thank you so much for your time, for your insight, for your stories, for your laughter. Okay, I'm never, the fact, six inch heels and barefoot (laughs) Robert. That's all I'm gonna say. That is all I'm going to say, but you are, you are my girl and you are part of this group. So thank you so, so much, Ashton. Thank you for having me. I, I, I so appreciate it. I can't believe like my story or stories or any it's something that you even want to share. Yes. So thank you. I'm humbled. Um, and I just, I'm so grateful to know you and to kind of be a part of what you're building because I think it's a very beautiful, very powerful. Thank you, Ashton. We'll have Ashton, all of her handles linked up and keep an eye out for this lemon TikTok. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be bugging you about it. We hope to see it soon. Okay. 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 Have a beautiful day. Love Bye. You. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you use and head over to mgmethod.com to stay in the loop by signing up on our email list, which will give you all things MG. MG.